This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, fans of Chelsea. I think it's a good time for a break, but we'll talk about Chelsea before we get to the break. Let me welcome back my co-host, Rahul. Rahul, are you as excited as I am to get a break from Chelsea? Um, I'm over the moon and delighted. We don't have to talk about Chelsea. We don't have to think about Chelsea. No, I'm just kidding. We we obviously will be because our players are out there, but uh, it's refreshing to look forward to a, a competition that we're not fully invested in, I guess, but we do have some teams and, and horses in the race. So if you've been living under a rock for the last six or eight months, or I, sh- I should actually say the last four years, because I think we've had a lot of time to know what's coming. The World Cup starts here very, very soon, and it's going to be hosted in Qatar. The first World Cup mid-season in November and December, I think it's the first of its kind. They're doing it to accommodate for the temperatures, which is very, very unique. There's a lot of talk going up to it. We'll build up to that in a little bit, but we'll come back to your favorite topic, Chelsea of late, Rahul. We played Newcastle in the past here. And I think the last episode, you asked me for a prediction and I believe I said I cannot predict this team, but maybe <laughs> maybe I said I maybe I should have said I do not want to predict this team because they find a way to hurt me and hurt me they did. What did you make of the performance? Oh man, it was it was kind of what we expected. It you know wasn't really a performance of of the Chelsea that we know. Um, we defended for most parts of that game. Newcastle, for how good they've been, weren't as good in this game. We made That's them true. look better. Um, but ultimately we, we didn't push hard enough. Uh, I know, uh, Potter made some changes to the lineup. Gallagher came in, Gloria came in, but I mean, it just, something wasn't right. Something isn't right. Uh, and hopefully as we look forward to the world cup, Potter in the background is doing some of the, the analysis and understanding, you know, where things were breaking down and it could simply be down to the injuries, but. I've said this in the past, we have a squad that's good enough, that's deep enough that we can't fall apart when Reese James or Ben Chobel are injured. And that's the, been the story of late, right? Is we were all excited when Graham Potter's, I think second, third, fourth games were all excellent performances. The team was gelling well. We were scoring goals. We were conceding less. The resurrection of Kepa. I mean, everything was going well. And in the back of our minds, you and I were saying on the episode, at some point, the honeymoon period kind of runs out and you just see, yes, their injuries. Kepa got injured. Reese James gets injured. Ben Chilwell gets injured. And we know with the way Chelsea like to play, we deve- deve- you know, we kind of depend very heavily on those wingbacks. And so when they're gone, but realistically, Rahul, you talk about Graham Potter and a lot of things were said about his tactical awareness and his ability to change the teams. And in fact, while we were winning the games on the Graham Potter, we saw a mixture of a back four, a back three. We played with three in the middle, a pivot of two. Sometimes they called it a box. We were playing with two strikers, one striker, and you were trying to figure out what's going on. But ultimately, you look at it and you go, how can we crumble with losing a couple of players? And yes, they're key players, but I guess this is why we're saying we're looking forward to the World Cup because he really needs a chance to look at the guys that are staying behind, notably Jorginho because of Italy, and then potentially some of the young guys, Lewis Hall, for example, who who might get a good chance to get a few games running in. Yeah, and I think that's a good uh, point, and spe- specifically on Lewis Hall, the last two games. 
the young man took his opportunities and right. he's kind of the replacement, I guess, for Ben Chilwell that we we've been missing. Uh, and hopefully he can continue to stay fit uh, in this break. And when we come back at the end of December, he can be part of the squad because I know Ben Chilwell's out for uh, more than just this break. So yeah. he'll he'll hopefully get his opportunities. And um, Chelsea, when they come back, we we hit the ground running because we are falling behind in that top four race. I think we're falling well behind in that top four <laughs> race. But I think the good news, Rahul, is regardless of it being Graham Potter or Thomas Tuchel, which we had started the season with, I think Chelsea fans, for the most part, were going to be accepting of this being a transition season. We knew sure? that we had, well, Chelsea <laughs> Chelsea fans have a, a a need to win things and we've been spoiled with Roman Abramovich, but I think at least between you and I and the conversations we've had with people on the podcast and people around Chelsea was we kind of knew it was going to be a transition season. And so while we had hoped that top four was the bare minimum, because I do agree with you, the quality of the squad and the amount of money we spent, I think having an opportunity to give Graham Potter the time to do what he needs to do. And ultimately what I'm trying to say is we've heard that Todd Bowley and the upper management have come out and said, not necessarily to to media, but it's been reported that he was given a five-year contract for a reason. So just because the next four, five, six games may not go the way we want, don't expect us to ax him. He's here to stay. He's here for the long run. Now, us being Chelsea and Chelsea fans, what does the long run mean? Is it going to be the full five years? Is it going to be two years? If there's no improvement, I think that's the big if. That's really what it comes down to. But I don't want to take anything away from Newcastle. I think you did a good job praising them in the last episode. They're sitting in third or fourth now, Rahul, and it's very, very, you know, when we started this season, you and I had talked about Newcastle kind of being a wild card and, oh, they'll get Europa this year and they'll kind of perform a little bit above what we expect from them. But I think they're surpassing all expectations at this point in time. They they absolutely are. And it comes down to, and I think it's a good reminder for us to, uh, you know, to see them and where they were last year, uh, new new owners, they took a little bit of time to to settle in. Eddie Howe took some time to settle in, and now they're reaping the 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 benefits of the work that was done uh, this time last year. Honestly, uh, so no, they're they're doing well. They have a squad that's hungry. I mean, we stopped Almiron from scoring, which was uh, a, a a win in itself in a certain <laughs> way uh, in the form that he had been. But jokes aside, I think. Uh, Newcastle deserve it. I think it would be it would be exciting to see them, uh, you know, kind of pushing for that top four spot. But I think once we come back, uh, the season really intensifies and picks up, and maybe they they do get found out a little bit uh, just because they haven't been here before and or haven't been there in a long, long time. So uh, experience from maybe the other guys beneath them, and hopefully us comes comes into play. Yeah, I think that's things that we need to look at seriously and and make sure, other than just experience, that some of the guys for Chelsea that are going on the World Cup come back fit and healthy. And so I don't wish to have any negative impact on the teams that have Chelsea players, but maybe they get out early and they can come home early and train and really focus on Chelsea. But look, that ruins the magic of the World Cup. And I think while it is a strange World Cup going into November, I think it's something that we just have to watch and hope to get the best quality football out of. And so let's transition into the World Cup. I know yeah, you just, have some... just Yeah, right. just well, before we do, if you, I just want to point out that in the time that Bowley and his, his uh, you know, Clear Lake have been here, we haven't had a time just to, to be away from Chelsea, right? We had the summer, but they were transfers. Uh, I think this is seriously down to 
the now time for us to just focus on getting things fixed and put in place. And I know we brought in a couple of new hires. So uh, it's honestly may end up being a blessing in disguise. Well, we'll take it any way we can at this point <laughs> being Chelsea fans. But thank you for that information. Uh, let's move on to the World Cup. I know you have some questions about Qatar and maybe some of the injuries that are happening before some of these key players are going to the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I know you said magic of the World Cup, but it's been a little bit messy. And I don't mean uh, Lionel Messi. I mean messy ah. in the sense <laughs> that to get to this point, right, and everything that's gone down with FIFA in the last five, six years, uh, even Sepp Blatter coming out up until two weeks ago and saying giving it to Qatar was a mistake. Uh, here we are, I think, three, four days out from from the tournament kicking off. You pointed out that it's a midseason for the first time. But um, those aren't the only issues. And, and I think some of the issues that have come up do more with Qatar as a country. Maybe some of the uh, humanitarian issues that have gone into, uh, you know, building these World Cup stadiums. Some of the other issues that have come up with um, the 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 religion not supporting uh, certain groups. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on Qatar hosting? And and ultimately, I mean, for you as a person, as a fan of the game, I know you're going to be watching. But was there any part of you that said, uh, you know what, I may decide to boycott this World Cup just based on some of those values that you know go against what you believe in? Yeah, you know, it's a very interesting question, but it's also a very difficult question to answer because I feel my mind racing in a hundred different directions as to what my beliefs are, what the right thing to do is, what is the right thing to have exposure on other countries outside of your traditional Europe that typically host and does a good job at hosting the World Cup as well. But you take me back to the time of, of one of the World Cups that was hosted in South Africa. And to us, that was such a special moment, Rahul, right? And South Africa, if you look at them today, are going through their own issues and turmoil and things like that. But what that World Cup did, not only for South Africa, but for Africa as a nation, was it was incredible, right? It brought a lot of attention. It forced that country to clean up more than it had ever done. It brought revenue and it created jobs. And so I look at it from that positive side of the house and you look at the negative side of the house, right? So coming back to Qatar, my mind goes in, in so many different directions. We've heard of the negativity that comes with humanitarian issues and political issues and what they may be, but trying to be politically correct at this point in time, every country has issues and every country is going to have problems associated with an event this big. And so I think one of the things this can do is at least bring exposure and bring eyes to these things. At the very least, it educates everybody around us saying, hey, these are problems. Let's not shy away from them. Let's try and solve them together as one people, one world. And I think that's something the World Cup does that's very beautiful. For a month, six weeks, everybody's eyes is on this particular tournament. And so that's one direction. The other direction is regardless of what's going on, as a football fan, you want to watch and you want to see what's going on and, and support your nations and you know make sure they have a good run in the World Cup. And, and all of the Chelsea players that are going there as well, you, you want to see and say, hey, don't get injured. I want to make sure you get a good run, but come back fit to Chelsea. So it goes in so many different directions. I think coming to the holistic picture with FIFA, we've always known that there has been rotten eggs in the mix in FIFA. And I think that sometimes spoils or ruins their good name because they have created something and they've created a brand here that's incredibly successful. It's a brand that's also incre incredibly lucrative. And so sometimes you attract the wrong people to it. And so whatever they can do to stamp that out 
will only make this a better tournament for futures to come. Yeah, that that's very well put. And I, uh, you know, from a sporting fan, like you said, you just want to see the games. You want to support the players. You want to support the countries that you follow. Uh, but there are bigger issues in the world. And I think this points out to those issues. I think we need to uh, educate ourselves, like you were saying. And then, and I was actually watching the FIFA documentary. I know I was talking to you about it. Uh, just watched the first episode, but it shows you the history and where things were with FIFA almost being bankrupt and doing a full 180 and being a very, very successful organization. But the bad eggs that you mentioned have been out there right from the beginning. Uh, and yes, FIFA got to where they are right now, but those bad, bad eggs have been there, continue to be there. We Obviously, we hope not, but... Um, it's an opportunity for FIFA to look at themselves and say, yes, this has happened with Qatar, you know, the way we got here, but we shouldn't let this happen again. And as much as we want politics and the sport not to mix, unfortunately, we live in a world where it ends up mixing and, and people end up making statements, whether that's players, managers, or in this case, FIFA as an organization. Uh, but ultimately, you do want to stand up and do the right thing. And that's what we would urge FIFA to do Uh Right now in Qatar, but also moving forward because that's that's what we want to see, right? Uh, but coming back to the World Cup, you've mentioned injured players, Jackie, and and we've had a Winter World Cup here. Uh, we've known about it for a few years now, but we've seen at least from our perspective with the Chelsea guys, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Fofana, Conte. I'm even going to throw Timo Werner in there, even though he's not at Chelsea. Uh, Pogba, from you know another perspective, Mane, who's who's going to miss it now. James Madison, I believe, picked up a knock too, but I think he's going to go. So one of the, I guess, the impacts was that having a World Cup mid-season was going to create some of these issues with injuries. But on the other hand, do you expect to see fitter players, players that are not tired? at the end of a campaign like they have been in the past. And we may end up seeing better performances in, in some cases because players are just in a stage where they're usually getting into form at this point of the season. Yeah, I think you answered the question by asking it and saying it in such a way. But typically, yeah, you've got a preseason and we look at it and go, yeah, a preseason is good to warm up, get ready for the season. But realistically, Rahul, the first two months of any season – while some teams are really, really good and perform well, you tend to see the peak of these guys after the first September, October, they start coming into full form. They're still pretty healthy. Of course, we talked about the injuries, which I think the injuries would happen regardless. Coming into a summertime, you get that maybe six-week break or four-week break before the World Cup comes, and it allows a few of those guys to maybe catch up on their fitness and get there. But Ultimately, I think, yeah, we should expect a high level of football at this point in time. A lot of questions around the temperature as well. I mean, a lot of people were talking about even though it's their winter, it is pretty warm. But look, people complained about South Africa and people were able to perform and had a high level of football that was performed over there. So I'm not necessarily worried about the injuries. But one of the things I'll say as the flip side to the coin is, and I'll pick on a Chelsea player here because it's the first name that comes to mind, we haven't seen the best of Raheem Sterling, for example. And he's a player that we expect a lot of. And at times, and I'm not sure if this is true, but it's just from my observations, at times you almost felt like he held himself back. He reserved himself to not get injury, to not play. So I'm expecting high levels of performance from him here, but did it affect Chelsea? Did it affect their club teams that 
by the way, they pay them a lot of money to perform week in, week out. Yeah, they totally do. And uh, I also agree with you. I think some players and, and Sterling being one specifically that we've seen not taking players on, maybe playing the safer option and uh, protecting himself. And I don't blame him because this most likely will be the last World Cup that you know he goes to, at least goes to in peak performance. Uh, but I would have liked to see a little bit more for Chelsea, but that's just being a Chelsea fan. Uh, I mean, the other thing to note is at this point of the season, players haven't played the amount of games that they already have going into this tournament. Uh, so that's another factor that would come into play. And, and I'm more interested to see after the tournament, there's still more than half the season fun. to go. Uh, so what does that impact uh, on the players? And do we end up seeing more injuries, mainly from the guys that end up going to to the World Cup? So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be interesting to watch, but we've got to live in the present uh, and follow the teams that we want to follow. So who are you going to be watching out for uh, in this World Cup? Well, look, I mean, I, th I think it's some of the usual suspects. I think growing up, we were fans of, of England because we are from an English Premier League side. And so we know a lot of those boys. And so that's definitely one team we'll watch. But our home nation, Ghana, is in there as well. And we're always excited to support them. And I think outside of Ghana, we want to keep an eye on some of the African teams. You you want to see them. I would love to see them win a World Cup. I was going to say, I don't, not necessarily win, but I'd love to see them win a World Cup. But I'd also, if they cannot win the World Cup, is to try and see them make a good run into maybe the quarterfinals, the semifinals, your Ghanas, your Senegals, maybe those are guys that can come in and really do something and shock the world and say, look, pay attention to us. We've got a crop of talent because a lot of these boys, Rahul, are playing in Europe's top leagues. And so I'd love to see that. Other than that, usual suspects, I have high expectations of Brazil. They have an awesome squad. Thiago Silva is still playing for them at the ripe old age of 38. And so I think it's going to be an interesting squad. The one that I'm concerned about is Germany haven't been up to to par so I wonder if they're going to be able to to do what they need to do Spain have not looked like the same Spain and we know they do have a relatively young squad and so is this the time they change and you talked about Messi it's his last big chance to win a, a World Cup and put one away but on the opposite side of this Messi situation there's a Cristiano Ronaldo that has a big chance to do something so while we've opened this whole conversation with Qatar this and politics and and issues around this this all also, this exciting things that are happening and some of the end of a legacy of some of these great players. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the dream scenario would be a Messi-Ronaldo final. Uh, <laughs> but again, we that, that's getting too far ahead. But that, I think that would be one that breaks the internet and that gets a lot of people glued to their TVs <laughs> on December 18th. But uh, you spoke about Ghana, you spoke about England, uh, USA and and I think those are three teams that, you know, we'll be following just because of our association, uh, like mm -hmm. you rightly pointed out. Uh, but before we get into kind of looking deeper into these squads and anything, I was thinking, what has been your most fond memory of a World Cup or something that, you know, we we started watching it when we were younger, but we we didn't yeah. really get into it, I think, until into our into our teens. So what's your early memory? And that's something that you, you just hold on to as, as a World Cup memory. Yeah, I think it's not a good memory. It's a bad memory, and it's, it's associated with England. And I think it's when Frank Lampard scored. Well, he scored the goal, but it was not ever considered a goal when it hits the, the top post and go in. And England, are, I think that causes England to get eliminated from the World Cup. I believe that was 2006, and that was a huge one, which was absolutely crazy for me. 
you look at maybe 2010 as well, Rahul, and that was football. You know, they say football's coming home and football comes to South Africa. And that's as close to home as it could be for us being from Ghana was it's come to the continent of Africa. This is absolutely incredible. And you, you think about those situations and that was the introduction of the Vuvuzela. I think that was oh, yeah. <laughs> for some people who are not, a, who are not aware of it. I think it was like, what is this noise and all this, but to us, you and I actually would blow Vuvuzelas at the <laughs> African cup of nations. And so it was like, we have one at home and our parents would scream at us for blowing Vuvuzelas. And so those it's absolutely crazy, but <laughs> those were loud and we had a good time with those. And you think about even 2014, Rahul, I think, Germany were in there towards the end and Mario Goetze comes out. I think it was the hundredth minute, hundred eighth minute, something like that. He was a young 22 year old. And we're like, yeah, this kid's got potential. And he steals the world cup from Argentina. I mean, absolutely wonderful memories on that front of the end. And I, I can give you one memory that absolutely everybody does not like, and we'll talk about maybe a little bit oh, later. <laughs> and that's Louis, Louis Suarez putting his hand up and stopping a goal for, for Ghana to move forward. And they're placed in the same group. So, it's a roller coaster of emotions. And I think I've given you clips from four different World Cups. So maybe I'm showing my age a little bit there. But yeah. <laughs> you, hey, you, I think you did well. I'm going to show my age a little more. And it's not because I watched it religiously, but I just uh, ended up having a t shirt with this man on it. And it was the yellow t shirt with Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo on it. Uh, I believe it was the 2000, uh, sorry, 1998 World Cup. And I didn't watch any of it. We 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 didn't really watch football back then. Um, and I somehow got my hands on this T-shirt. I, my parents must have gotten it for me. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm wearing this T-shirt. I see this man on my T-shirt playing on TV, uh, being very good, I must add. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? I, I like this. <laughs> uh, I like the World Cup. And then from there, slowly, it grew and... Uh, you know, 2002 was in Germany, like you pointed out. And I remember uh, Balak was kind of up and coming at that point. And I was like, oh, he's he's very good. Turns out he joins Chelsea a few years later. Um, so, no, it's been it's exciting. And I and that's what you want to see. And hopefully that's what we do see this time around, because uh, that's what gets fans going. And and you brought up that memory of of Luis Suarez and, and Ghana and. I mean, we still had an opportunity to score at that point because we had the penalty. I think the the moment maybe got to uh, Asamo Jan and yeah. and maybe he just wanted saw the headlines and actually put it over. But man, that was that was tough to take, especially when Suarez is still on the sidelines celebrating that miss. Yeah. Um, but hey, we have our chance this time around. But let's let's jump into it. So, uh, Ghana squad for this year, Jackie, and it's it's one that. You know, we're they obviously missed the last World Cup, so there's been a lot of changes. But there's some names that you would recognize. Uh, you know, some of the fans would recognize Andre Ayew. I mean, a player that is in his 30s has been in the Premier League. Uh, you know, was a person that we thought would would kind of become a a mainstay in the Premier League, but that didn't happen. Uh, Jordan Ayew, his brother from Crystal Palace, most likely again an opportunity for them. To do something in this World Cup because the next one may be, uh, maybe a little bit putting them over the hill. But you never know. We've seen we've seen African players stay on and, and play for longer. Um, who else in this Ghana squad are you are you looking forward to seeing? I know we've added some names that we may not have in the past. Yeah, and no, Thomas Partey is one from Arsenal, so you, you, it hits close to home in the Premier League, and I think he's got 
quality to make a difference as much as it pains me for him being an Arsenal player because I know he was linked with Chelsea for several years but uh, another strong player he gives me a little bit of Michael Essien style or Michael Essien-esque style which you know that's critical in the World Cup games you need somebody tough in the middle you know I I think even the young man Inaki Williams as a striker he's done well for Atletico so I think he might have uh, a game or two that he could have a say in and maybe make a change here or there and I think some of the other guys, there's a couple of local fellas that are linked in there. And I know I don't want to get too far off topic, but I think this World Cup is very important for countries like Ghana, countries like Japan, Costa Rica, and Morocco, guys like this. Because one thing I've noticed about many World Cups, Rahul, is it exposes some of these countries' players that haven't had a chance to make it out of the so-called smaller leagues or local leagues. And I remember this being a very, very key thing. We would watch the World Cup, even the Euros, and say, who is this guy? Where is he from? He plays really well. Is he playing for a big club in Europe? Is he playing for somebody? What would it cost to bring him? Can he play in a Premier League? And so it's absolutely incredible. And one of the names we forgot to talk about is Nkunku getting injured. Those are things that affect your your value, right, going forward into the transfer season. But looking at these guys at Ghana, it's it's a chance for them to earn big money moves in January, not even waiting till the summer. You have a really good World Cup in January, People are knocking your door and said, that kid played well. I think we can bring him in. So hopefully this is something where Ghana can showcase the talent that we know they have and push through with the boys. Yeah, and, and that's a great point because the World Cup ends and in two weeks it's the January window. And and you know teams are going to be looking, teams are going to be scouting. And we've seen it in the past where players that have gone into the World Cup, not a big name, all of a sudden move for big money and uh, you know, like you mentioned, some of the local guys for Ghana, this could be a great opportunity to move to Europe and and continue to develop themselves. But uh, on the topic of Ghana, we open with Portugal, Jackie, and, and Ronaldo has been busy in the media. Um, it's a tough game. We've I think yes. we played them the last time we were in the World Cup, which was in 2014. Um, so it's a tough game. Portugal obviously want to start with a win. How do you see how do you see this one going? Just no, I'm not asking for a prediction, more just in terms of do you think we can we can squeeze something out of it? I think Ghana can squeeze a point out of every game. I think it's the World Cup and I think they're here to show what they can do. And full respect to Portugal. I think on paper they're supposed to win this game. But I think one more thing about the World Cup, and I said the magic of the World Cup when we opened, right? Is some of these lesser known nations tend to pull out a win, a draw, a penalty win here or there, and they're able to squeeze through. And I'm not saying Ghana need to do that. I think they just need to be formidable, defend well, and against maybe a Portugal, get that point, and maybe, who knows, nick a win, and then kind of go from there. And then you focus on South Korea and Uruguay, who, by the way, they're not small teams that you're facing, but maybe with regards to missing out on Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, and likes like that, you might be able to get a few more points. Yeah, totally. And and you mentioned Inaki Williams. He's got a lot of pace. So on the counter, that would that, that would definitely come in handy. And then South Korea, I know Son's going to be back even after his facial surgery. Uh, he's one that got a little fortunate with an injury that, you know, uh, maybe he still misses the first game. You never know. But uh, I definitely think he'll feature. And then it may all come down to that Uruguay game again in the final <laughs> final group stage. But that's that's what makes this. Uh, an exciting time to be a fan but let's move on to England and this is one that our only connection here is Chelsea and being Premier League fans but 
Uh, a lot was made of Garrett Southgate's squad. He ends up picking his 26 guys, and and I'll pick some of the 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 names that you know end up going to this. So I think Pickford goes was was an obvious obvious choice, and I think he starts. Trent makes it, Jackie. After all the talk, maybe Reese James' injury yeah. impacts that, but he ends up going. Harry Maguire, your your favorite defender, uh, goes after I think making three Premier League appearances for Manchester United this season. So uh, maybe here the here's a, a reputation versus form kind of decision. In midfield, Connor Gallagher, Jackie has made it. Uh, Mason Mount, obviously, Calvin Phillips played 56 minutes of Premier League football this season, and and here he is going to Qatar. Uh, and then in the forwards, we obviously have Harry Kane, uh, you know, Raheem Sterling, you've mentioned. Uh, Callum Wilson, who's had a, a very good season with um, Newcastle. But there's one man here, Jack Grealish, the 100 million pound, 100 million pound uh, man who has not lived up to the expectation no. that we we had for him at Man City. But he is going to the World Cup. What have you made of this squad? Do you think certain players that missed out sh- had a good enough case to make it, maybe a Tomori, uh, maybe an Ivan Tony, even though he was found betting on a bunch of games. I wonder if he bet <laughs> on his making the squad or not. Uh, but jokes aside, I'd like to get your uh, thoughts on this squad. It's an interesting squad, for sure. I think it's one of those where I look at it and maybe I'll contradict myself, but I'll start with with Harry Kane, sorry, with Harry Maguire and say, I don't think Harry Maguire should have been picked. He's not played enough. And when he has played, he hasn't looked like a top quality center back. And for me personally, I've never been the biggest fan of Tamori. I think that he used to make mistakes, but seeing him in an AC Milan side, yes, he made the mistake against Chelsea. So here I am contradicting myself, but he looked good. He's one of the best center backs in, in Italy, which is a very, very technical league that depends on top center backs. And so has to be fe- feel feeling like he's, he's got the short end of the stick, stick there. And so, that one's tough. And then I look at the middle and I get with Callan Phillips. While he hasn't played much football, again, I'm contradicting myself because I said this about Harry Maguire. He seems to fit the mold that is the perfect backup for if Declan Rice is injured. And so there I can see the thinking behind, I only have one defensive style midfielder and that's Declan. If something happens or he needs a rest, the next logical choice that's similar to that would play here is this guy. So that makes sense to me. You look at Jack Grealish and he's been very, very poor I know he plays a lot of football, but what does he bring to Manchester City? Can he do it in an England shirt? That remains to be seen. But Ivan Tony, surprised he didn't get a call-up. I know Callum Wilson is is a brilliant footballer, and you can't fit all of them in there. And it doesn't it, – maybe it's it's weird to come out of my mouth, but maybe even Tammy Abraham might have been a good shout for a, a number nine or a center forward to replace Harry Kane and that style of footballer you're looking at. So – a lot of guys that could have come in, Rahul, and done a job, but it is a very, very tough squad. And I think you and I grew up with the England golden generation. We've said this before where they were brilliant and they never succeeded and never really won something major. And so maybe Southgate's picking the guys because it is a very, very talent, talented squad at this point. So those are some concerns, but I think he's paid the big bucks to make the decisions. And if our friend Alex was here, he may have a different opinion on <laughs> Gareth Southgate. But I think, look, it's a tough job to pick. You have to narrow down. And ultimately, you, you could say he left this guy out, he left that guy out, and we'd still be having this conversation. Yeah, and and that's what you get for having talent pool that, that England have. And uh, someone obviously has to miss out, but uh, 
you pick a squad or you go with it. And like you said, I think with Calvin Phillips and maybe even with Maguire and some of the other picks, it's more about what he's seen, mm-hmm. not just this season, but the last time England were together, which was for the Euros. And even before that, which was at the World Cup where they made the semi. So he trusts these guys. Uh, and if they can get him to the promised land, no one's ever going to question right. question the decisions. But um, so England started off against uh, Iran on Monday at an 8 a.m. kickoff for me. I think it's 7 a.m. for you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully England will wake us up because Chelsea haven't <laughs> been doing that. But um, we've seen England in the past go into group stages where they're guaranteed to go through. And they mess up the first game, pressure builds up into the second game. They don't get that job done. And then finally they go out. In this group, they have Iran, Wales, and the USA. Is there any way in any world, well, in this world, I guess, that England mess this up and don't make it out? I love that you led with the history of England finding a way to make (laughs) a simple group difficult because... On paper, and again, I have a lot of respect for all of these countries. United States is a great footballing nation. Wales with Gareth Bale, is it, it might be his last chance to do something as well. Iran up and coming, trying to fulfill that their, their nation's you know needs as well. On paper, England should be coming on top and should find it pretty easy to qualify out of this group. And again, all of our U.S. fans are going to sit here and insult me and say, USA, USA. Look, the USA can go through too as well. It doesn't bother me. Ultimately, on paper, I think England should find it easy, but I don't think they will. Leading up onto this tournament, they've had poor form. They've not been able to score a lot of goals. They've been leaky at the back. And so maybe that's another reason he's taking Harry Maguire. Rahul, we know Harry Maguire maybe plays better in a back three. And so maybe Gareth Southgate's plan is to play a back three and try and get nail-nail and sneak one in, one nail at the end and just at least keep clean sheets. Because outside of England, you and I watching the Chelsea greats, the Chelsea teams that have won so much, it has always been based on clean sheets. And so I think England need to go back to basics, get clean sheets, and then try and nick a goal. Because you do have fire up, firepower up front in Harry Kane, Saka, Foden, Mason Mount. There's good players out there that can score your goal. Yeah, totally. And and we, we're not forgetting the U.S. We're going to talk about them. They're in this group, but that's the third nation that we're associated with. Uh, but just wanted to get your thoughts on, on England and... Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think England should be getting out of this game, uh, of this group, I beg your pardon. But a lot of people are looking over Iran, and, and I think that's a team that, I mean, they have their own issues, right, with politics and everything. But just focusing on the team and the guys that they have, they they could spring a couple of surprise results in this group. Maybe not enough to get through, but enough to drag someone down with them. Uh, and, and that may end up being England or the United States. Let's move on to them. So they missed out in 2018 too, which was, I mean, we we live here. We we heard all the news. We heard the the pundits. It was a bad, a big deal, and it was bad for the U.S. because they went out in the in a very bad fashion. I believe it was in the last game in the qualification. If I'm not wrong, it was against uh, Trinidad and Tobago away. All they needed to do that night was win. They didn't do it. They didn't make the World Cup. Fast forward four and a half years, here we are. They've qualified. They end up with England. A lot of new faces. I believe the only person from that first, uh, the the last time they were in 2014 is DeAndre Yedlin, hmm. who used to play in, in the Premier League. He now plays in Inter-Miami. When I look at this squad, Jackie, and, and I'm just going to read off some names to you, there's Matt Turner from Arsenal. Not played a lot in the Premier League, but played quite a bit in the Europa League. 
there's Sean Johnson, who's another goalkeeper for New York City FC, uh, and then Ethan Horvath, who's from Luton Town. So right there, and I think this is kind of a theme throughout the the squad is a good mix between the MLS and guys who are in Europe. Um, and then I go down, I look at defenders. We've got Cameron Carter-Vickers from Celtic. We've got Serginio Dest, who we saw uh, play for AC Milan against us. We've got Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson from Fulham. Uh, and then we've got DeAndre Edlin, like I mentioned, from Inter-Miami. We've got Walker Zimmerman, so from Nashville uh, SC. So again, a good mix. And I think that serves well in terms of experience of playing in Europe, but also bringing in some of the best and, and some of the more experienced guys in the MLS. Uh, but I think it's the midfield and, and forward where the excitement kind of builds up with Brendan Aronson from Leeds. You look at Eunice Musa from Valencia. Uh, you look at Weston McKenney from Juventus. And then our own Christian Pulisic in the forward line. Gio Reyna, who's come back from injury. So there's a lot of good talent in this squad. And I think maybe missing out four and a half years ago allowed this talent to develop over time and get to a point where we go into this World Cup and we say, USA could also be a team that causes issues with the youth through the likes of England. And and they obviously start off against Wales and that in itself is a challenge. But what have you made of this US squad? I'll say it the same way I said for England. On paper, this US squad should qualify, I think. They have enough talent. I think where we might have concerns is maybe the experience. They're a relatively young squad, but Rahul, we said that last time too. They're a relatively young squad. So they should have been learning over the last four years. They should have been maturing. They should have been growing as a team. Ultimately, I think it's one of those things where, and I quote the famous Cristiano Ronaldo, are these young guys hungry enough to do the business on the day? Because you refer back to them at Trinidad and Tobago. Again, on paper, it's a team that they should be putting away, they should have had the hunger to put that game away and make sure they go to the World Cup. How that doesn't happen, I'm sure we're still asking those questions till today, but here we are trying to answer it four years later. So I think it is a matter of you've got the talent, show us what you can do in the pitch, and then I don't think USA wants to play necessarily very defensive. I think they have the firepower like you elaborated on with talented, talented, extremely pacey youngsters that can really do some damage if they're focused. Yeah, and and it's it's an exciting group to watch uh, because of the youth, but also the experience. And uh, I'm seriously hoping, I mean, for me, the two that I would like to see out of this group would be England and USA in no particular order. Uh, but it would be good for those two to get out because you see the further along they go, the more excitement would build, at least for the US and this country. We've seen the soccer, as we call it here, uh, progress a lot in the last decade or so. And this would only build up and add to that build up to the 2026 World Cup that will be hosted partly here, but also in the US and Canada. Uh, I beg your pardon, Mexico and Canada. So uh, everything that happens here will add to that. And, and you want to see the US go further. I mean, the, I think the best finish has been in Uruguay in 1930 in, in semifinals. But apart from that, it's always been round of 16, group stage, quarterfinals. So a good run here and and we could be talking about the squad going into the next one with maybe a potential of winning it on, on home turf. I'm getting a little too far ahead, but that's some of the things that would come up uh, as teams gel together and develop together. And um, against Wales, tough game, Gareth Bale, who plays in LA. How's this going? 
Yeah, it's a it's a very tough game, and I think Gareth Bale is again one of those players like a Ronaldo, like a Messi that. While I don't think Wales have enough firepower to win the World Cup, I think he wants to do his nation proud. I think we've seen the famous signs that they've put up. I think it's, it's Wales golf and then Real Madrid, <laughs> right? So you can tell that there's a lot of passion for his home nation and he wants to do them proud. And there are a couple of other guys, Rahul. We know that Aaron Rams Ramsey makes it into the squad. You know that Kiefer Moore is playing in the squad. He's playing in the Premier League now as well. And so... A couple of key guys that have talent and they have the experience, I think is the key word. They've been to a couple of World Cups, so they know what to look for. World Cup football is sometimes like knockout football. You have one chance, you got to do the business on the day. And so it's a tough fixture, but I think the United States, with their pace, with the excitement, with the energy, they should be able to get it done. It's just a matter of controlling some of the key players for Wales. Yeah, I mean, I almost see Wales as in Iceland from a few years, a few World Cups ago, where a good group comes together, works hard for each other, and causes a few surprise results. And uh, hopefully that's not against England or the U.S., but you you can write them off, and it's a tough group. But uh, let's jump into some of the other groups just real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Group A has Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal. We mentioned Mani misses out, and the Netherlands. For you, who who are the two that go through? Yeah, look, the Netherlands are a team that you and I watched make it to the finals and unfortunately didn't get there. And since then, they haven't really lived up to the heights of what we know this nation can do. So I'm hoping Netherlands can go through. And between Senegal and Ecuador, it's tough, but I'm I'm rooting for our African teams. Yeah, I want Senegal to squeeze through and go through in Group A. Yeah, I mean, it was it was going to be tough. It'll be a little bit more. Uh, it'll be a little more tougher without Mane. But Mendy and Kulavali were rooting for you and. And hopefully you can you can make it over to the next round. Uh, Louis Van Gaal, I believe, is the manager for the Netherlands, and we saw what he did. I think it was in twenty fourteen, took them to the semis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he'll be hoping for a good run, and and there are a team that can always cause problems, not just in the group but beyond. So um, we'll be watching out for that. Do you think Qatar, on the back of being the home nation, can cause some some problems? Look, they can always cause some problems and nick a goal here or there. But to be very honest with you, Rahul, I've not heard too much about Qatar as being a solid footballing nation. And what I mean by that is their players really haven't made strong names from this stuff. It doesn't mean they couldn't be quietly building an excellent football team that's all playing locally and could shock all of us. But again, like I say, on paper, I'm expecting Netherlands and, and hopefully Senegal to go through. All right. Group B, we said England and the U.S., I think, were our picks. Group C, Argentina. We spoke about Messi a little bit early, earlier in the episode. Uh, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Another group with three very good teams. Uh, how do you see this one going? Can Can Mexico cause an upset? Can Poland cause an upset? Both of those teams are extremely strong. They have key players that are playing all across Europe and, and major leagues across the world. And so... Definitely one to to look out for. In the same vein, where you asked me about Qatar, can Saudi Arabia come up with a couple of goals here or there? And and maybe Messi says, I'm not having a good day against them, and he doesn't have a good day against them. But again, looking at the two teams, I'm expecting Argentina to go through for sure. I'm very, very unsure about Mexico and Poland who goes through there. It's really going to depend on form and how they, how they start off this World Cup. Yeah, I think Argentina started off against Saudi Arabia. So that's a, a tough ask for Saudi Arabia to... Yeah you know, to push on from there, but you never know. Uh, Group D, Jackie, France, Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. And 
we've seen in the last few years or last few World Cups, the winner of the last World Cup comes into the group stages and finds it difficult to get out. <laughs> France ex actually have experienced that themselves. Does this repeat itself or France just have too much power? No, I'm not sure that it's going to repeat itself, but stranger things have happened. In the World <laughs> Cups, like you said, I think France is going to go through. The other three teams, though, Rahul, I, I wonder, because they're all extremely strong teams, full respect to Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. And Denmark really performed well in the last Euros. And so it's going to be tough, because like I said, I'm rooting for our African teams, but Denmark and Australia are not going to be easy to go past. So I can't call that one. I'm thinking France will go through, and it's anybody's game after that. I agree with you. And, and just a quick note on France and Olivier Giroud. I think he's very close to hitting or beating Henri's wow. uh, top, goal, top goal scorer record for France. So he may do it in this World Cup and, and that'll be great for him. Group E, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan. I know Costa Rica is one you mentioned earlier. The obvious choices here would be Germany and Spain. But Japan, again, I think back to maybe... Four or five World Cups ago where they they were just scoring free kicks for fun. Yeah, they are a good team and they work really, really hard. I think they're trained that way. You see all the Japanese players that have made it into Europe are extremely hardworking. And so it's not going to be an easy game for sure. But again, I, I did mention that I was worried about Germany earlier on in the podcast because I don't think they're performing to the highest level. They're missing Timo Werner, who, while Chelsea fans love him or hate him, he worked extremely hard for every team he played for. He usually was on the score sheet for them as well. So... It'll definitely be interesting, but I'm going to go for Spain and Germany going through. Germany's Kai Havertz is their vice captain. Spain with Espliqueta. So, so few Chelsea connections in, in this group. Group F, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Canada making it back, I believe, after 30-plus years. So they'll be buzzing. Morocco with Hakim Ziyech scoring from halfway, I believe, earlier today. Yeah. Uh, Belgium with all the stars, Aiden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, I forget who their striker is up front. Uh, and then Croatia uh, with Luka Modric and making it to the World Cup final last time around. Another tough group. It is a very, very tough group. And I think it's going to be tough again for the African nations to squeeze through. I think it's one of those where it, it's just a good World Cup with so many different teams. I think most of the teams are pretty balanced in there. But Belgium, I believe, is rated number one in the world or number two in the world at this point in time. So... For me, they should be going through, again, with the last three there, Rahul. Morocco and Croatia are both solid teams. Croatia have a lot of experience, and so I think that's going to be going against Morocco. And then Canada, I'm going to go as the the wild child or the dark horse. We don't know what they can bring to this, this as well. So on paper, it's, it's Belgium and Croatia, but look out for the other two. And Belgium tend to come into these tournaments with you know all the <laughs> all the odds in their favor and somehow find a way to, to mess it up. So... Yep. I'd be sad for it in Hazard, but that guy up front that plays for them, if something goes wrong, <laughs> you won't find me. You won't find me feeling bad for him. I know uh, you group, <laughs> group G: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. And I mean, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say Brazil are, are most likely winning all three games here and getting out of the group pretty comfortably. And I don't think I said this yet, but I think Brazil is my favorite to win this World Cup as well because wow. they have an immensely talented squad. And I think while good defense helps you win tournaments, you need that firepower up front. And boy, do they have firepower up front with Neymar, Vinicius, and a couple of other guys that are absolutely incredible. So yeah, Brazil's going through. 
the other three, again, it's one of those where it's a toss-up of who can go through. Because I, I think Serbia is such a physical, strong side, as well as Cameroon. And Switzerland, I've always known to be a dark horse in different tournaments. They find a way to squeeze through or nick a goal here or just a great performance. So I would love Cameroon to go through. I want to just see them go through. And so I think they, they will pip it, but it's not going to be easy. It definitely isn't. But I think if there is a group outside of Group A for an African team to to make it, I think this would be it. So yeah. uh, come on, Cameroon. And Group H, we've covered Ghana, but there's Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea. Jackie, is there any way Portugal don't even get out of the group after all the big talk from uh, Cristiano Ronaldo? Look, we've talked about clubs that have won, countries that have won, come here and not qualified in the next round. Italy have not made it to this World Cup, Rahul. That's a big thing. France have been dropped out before. Netherlands sometimes have not made it through. Spain went from being top of the world for three years, three tournaments in a row, to not being around. So it's very possible. It, it just comes down to how you start and how the energy in the camp is. And maybe Ronaldo's coming with some negative energy. Maybe it's rubbing people the wrong way. I don't know. But ultimately, we'll just have to wait and see. We definitely will, but those are those are all the eight groups, guys, and uh, games kick off Sunday uh, morning for us here, maybe a little bit later for you, wherever you are, uh, but it's going to be exciting month that starts off on Sunday, and then the games just keep coming. Uh, some games for me kick off at 5, which is, I think, 4 a.m. for <laughs> yep. you, uh, so I'm going to try my best to wake up, but I, I can't guarantee much uh, in terms of that, but definitely an exciting time. Jackie, are we doing a fantasy league for for the world cup yeah i think we should i think a lot of the listeners are destroying you and i in the premier chelsea <laughs> one right now so and that's because we tend to pick chelsea players and they're not doing so hot this time around but i think that'd be fun maybe we'll put something up today or tomorrow on instagram and and get people to participate absolutely and and we'll, we'll come up with the prizes too for for the guys that beat jackie and i pretty pretty well <laughs> uh but I have one final question for you, and I've saved this for the end. Is the waistcoat coming out in Qatar in the heat? Because then are we going to take waistcoat football is back? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it comes back out because I think I think it's his signature, but maybe not, Rahul. Maybe the heat will get to him this time, and we'll see a more relaxed tracksuit Gareth coming out this time around. It, it just won't sit well with me if he's not in his <laughs> traditional attire, but Hey, it's, it's about getting the results on the pitch. But uh, that wraps it up, guys. We will be doing weekly episodes, I believe, at this point. Uh, you know, reviewing games as they happen. Uh, England, USA next week. So we'll, we're trying to do something special for that. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but then, until then, stay safe. And I can't say up to Chelsea now. So I got to <laughs> come up come up with a new saying but i guess it's coming home there you go <laughs> uh, and depending on where home is for you you can you can use that but uh continue to subscribe like and follow us and we will be back with a new episode but stay safe and and it's coming home <laughs> take care guys bye hey guys the premier chelsea is sponsored by kickoff coffee they are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee in other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. 
Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.